Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of the Dome Zone podcast. Austin and I are with you today. Mason couldn't make it this week, so we got a fill-in. We got a pinch hitter, and it's Matt Miguez. You've heard him before. He is the host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh over on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette, and he's going to fill in here and kind of talk about some grim times uh, for the Houdat Nation. It's uh, it's it's not the best time to be a Saints fan, Matt. No, it it, it is not. Um, you know, you... You look at this team and and you look at the way that they've lost games and it's really just a head scratcher because you look at so many of them and you fight to get back into games. And most recently, we'll get into it in a second last Sunday in Pittsburgh, you, you find a way to tie the game and then you just go, okay, I'm done. You you can take it now. Like what, what, what are we even doing? Well, and and what's crazy to me is that I felt going into the Pittsburgh game, which let's go ahead and get into our game recap right here, right away, is that I thought, okay, Pittsburgh had a bye week and the Saints had to play on a short week, which was ridiculous by the NFL scheduling, but that's neither here nor there. So I thought maybe they come out sluggish, you know, given that you haven't had the rest, but maybe they figure it out. So when the Saints go down, like you mentioned, and tie this game before half, I'm thinking, all right, we're settled in. Pittsburgh is not a great team. I mean, look, they have right. a rookie quarterback. They have, you know, they got TJ Watt back to kind of bolster the defense, but they're not a very good team. I felt like we could win this game. And then you go in the second half and you really just got dominated in the second half. I mean, it wasn't even close. You, so, you got absolutely owned. So I'll, I'll give the, the by the numbers recap quickly here. We'll get it out of the way because it's ugly. 379 to 186 in total yards. So there you go. I mean, you just got dominated. Pittsburgh ran for 217 yards. I just, Matt, I remember when this was supposed to be a strength of this defense and when it's been a strength in the past and we were told, you know, Anya Mata and these guys in the middle aren't going to allow teams to run on them. 217 yards for a Pittsburgh team that's one-dimensional. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, you went into this season thinking, oh, you know, the defense is going to keep us in games and blah, and that has been the exact opposite of what we have seen. You know, and you talked about the four guys up front being the the strength of of that group, and you know they've played well at points. I mean, you did a good job of of sacking Kenny Pickett five times, but in, in terms of just stopping the run, nothing. And and really, I, I hate to say this, I think it's because you didn't have Pete Warner. Yeah. That's got to be a big factor. And I mean, look, Werner was a, was a great, you know, I wouldn't say a full-blown surprise, but certainly the level he played was a little bit surprising this year. Uh, so to lose him, I mean, the injuries, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. It's been brutal. But overall, I, I, just an unimpressive performance. The time of possession is 39-21. You nearly got <laughs> doubled up by Pittsburgh, which a team, you know, when you're playing a rookie quarterback, you imagine being able to get off the field on third downs, being able to force some some difficult situations for them. And again, and you mentioned we mentioned a short week. You'd want to try and keep your defense off the field. Well, they utterly failed in that. So that's another aspect. Then turnovers. I mean, turnovers are obviously always a big key. You lose that two nothing when you have the veteran quarterback. They have the rookie. Uh, none of that seemed to matter. And this team just look. You fall now to three and seven. Um, we can talk about the division if we want to. I don't. I don't know if it really matters anymore. We've we've had this long going thing of oh, we're only a game back. You're only this. You're only that. I don't know if you're really in that it's, race anymore. It's out of your hands now. I mean, now now your only chance to win the division is if Tampa screws up. Because you look at Tampa, they're back to five and five. They're actually playing 
pretty good football. Um, Brady looks like he just has the weight of the world off of his shoulders. Thank you very much, Giselle. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, they look like a completely different team. And yeah, I mean, unless they slip up, you're, you're done. And, you know, I said that a while back when you were, you know, kind of sitting in that situation. I said, look, yeah, the, the division's still right there, but you better really figure things out because Brady's going to. Tom Brady's simply going to figure things out after a while. And so I just wasn't confident that seven and 10 was going to win this division the way some people were at some point. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't see much hope in it because also if you're not beating God, Pittsburgh, seven, seven and 10 seems like a. Happy finish to the season for us right now. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to go. You'd have to be above 500 to get there. And I don't know how that happened. Because if you don't beat that Pittsburgh team again, (laughs) I don't know who exactly you're beating other than maybe the Carolinas of the world. But you only get to play them one more time. And you already lost to them once. So let's talk about this offense because, you know, it was obviously very uninspiring. Pittsburgh, not a bad defensive team, but still, you know, Andy Dalton has been the guy. And the reasoning to stick with him has been how well the offense has been playing. Well, the last couple of weeks, that hasn't been the case at all. So Dennis Allen kind of initially backed off and said, we're going to reevaluate the position this week. But then he goes in and says, no, we're going to stick with Dalton. I just don't understand where he gets that reasoning from. You know, if Jameis is truly healthy enough to play, which that seems like it's this weird scenario that as long as he's not playing, I guess they're going to keep saying, well, you know, the injuries. If he's healthy enough to be out there, I don't know why you're not giving him a shot because this offense looks like it has no life and this team doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, you look at it and I know people are saying, well, you know, Jameis still isn't 100%. And and he's not. But here's the kicker. He's not going to be. The team doctors have stated, and it has been released on social media, that he's as healthy as he's going to be during the season, let him play. If he can't get more hurt, if he's as healthy as he's going to be, let him play. Yeah. I mean, what do my, I said it on my show the other day. What do you, what do you have to lose? You're paying one guy, 3 million. You're paying one guy, 15, which one, you, which one you playing? To me, I think it's an easy decision. You're playing the guy that you're paying more, especially when, your offense wasn't doing well against either one of them. So it's just, it's a weird thing where I think Dennis Allen just likes Andy Dalton more. And that's okay. Even if it's idiotic, that's okay. Um, But next year, you know, that, that mindset tells me, okay, well, you know, you're drafting a quarterback next year, but how, how, <laughs> So I I don't I don't know um, I I just don't want Andy Dalton starting next September is all I'm saying. Well, I I don't think that will be the case. Although who knows if if Dennis Allen's still around, it seems like he's got you know this this opinion on Andy Dalton. My other thing too is Dalton. It, he's such a proven commodity. Again, we talked about this when he took over. We know who Andy Dalton is, and we know the situation in which he is beneficial to you. I won't say we don't know who Jameis Winston is because we have an idea and, you know, there's been a couple different versions of him we've seen in New Orleans. And I think everyone likes to cling to the five and two Jameis that we saw last year. But this year he kind of showed you otherwise. But then again, he was hurt, whatever it is. I just think you have to see something that's less proven at this point. I'll take Taysom Hill for five games or however many games you want to play him over watching Dalton continue to play. At least you'll have some excitement and some unknown going into the games. 
And you see, it's funny because you you talked about Taysom Hill. One of the big questions the Saints fan base has been asking is, where has Taysom Hill been? And, and you know, I I think yesterday, I, I was driving around yesterday, and I was just thinking about it. I think the reason Taysom Hill hasn't been a big factor in the offense is because if Dalton got hurt, they would go to Taysom. It's an interesting point because so they're trying to they're trying to keep Taysom, you know, loose and off the field, and just in case they need to play him at quarterback. And that's fair, but if that's going to be the case, then inactivate Jameis and sign me another quarterback. Absolutely. If Jameis is really just out there as this real emergency option, then I don't see the point in him being active every week. We're we're talking we're talking about you know inactivating people. Why wasn't Marshawn Lattimore put on IR? Yeah, more than just him. I mean, how many guys now? Of course, Thomas. It started with him uh, again. You know, I'm not going to say that it's 100% the medical staff's fault, but how are we labeling broken ribs and a lacerated kidney as an abdominal injury? Like, put that man on IR and let us go sign somebody. And the other thing is the NFL is as transparent as any league. We're supposed to know these things from the outside. It, I just I, I don't I don't get it. And then, you know, the Jane, the Michael Thomas thing, turf toe and a dislocated toe. I understand that they have similar symptoms and and, you know, similar warning signs and whatever. But I mean, the, the, the man's toe is literally not where it's supposed to be. How, how do you how do you miss that? It just it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, man. And you know it's it's crazy because you look back at 2018, you fired one medical staff before. Could could you see it happen again? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the entire coaching staff in a bit here, but the defense we touched on it. I just want to bring it up a little bit more about this Pittsburgh game before we move forward. Um, Pittsburgh's offense is bad. You know, and I've gotten a chance to watch a decent amount of Pittsburgh football this year. They're they're going through a rebuild on that side of the ball completely. They've gone they started the season with Mitch Trubisky back there. They've now transitioned to Kenny Pickett. Najee Harris hasn't looked great this season. The offensive line's been a work in progress. All these things going on. They just traded away one of their receivers in Chase Claypool. Um, and you made them look pretty good. I mean, it's not like they scored 40 on you, but they were effective on third downs. I mean, they were, you know, timely. And I understand Lattimore and Werner, probably your two best defensive players are both out. But I still go back to how did you put together the performance you did against the Vegas Raiders a couple of weeks ago and then turn around and have a performance yeah. like this against what should be a much worse offense? Yeah, you made them look efficient, um, which is which is a problem. You know, Kenny Pickett, I, I think, is a guy that's, going to be good in the NFL in time. Um, but man, you you made his uh you made his progress go one step further on, on Sunday because I mean completed 60% of his passes for right at 200 yards. He took care of the football. You got it to a running back that has struggled all season long and had he had a great day. Um you, you know I, I think I think the glaring issue from the defense is that guys that you signed in the offseason 
to make an immediate impact have not, especially Tyron Matthew. You know, Tyron Matthew is is a guy that we, we thought could step in and, you know, bolster the secondary, especially that strong safety spot. But, you know, personally, Dawson, I, I, I think Tyron Matthew's career might be over. It, it seems like it's going that way. Or at, at the very least, he needs to carve himself a new, unique role other right. than his every-down situational self because, yeah. no, yeah, and he, I mean, He's the, not the same player. The, the two safeties is the situation where we sat there in the offseason and you lose Marcus Williams, um, and this is before you lost Gardner Johnson, but you sat there and the, and the front office put together these moves and kind of said it's fine. We, we just – look, we just made a deal. We just got Marcus – and, you know, and I kind of was on board. I was like, oh, man, Marcus May, just as good of a player almost, and you're going to get him at a discount. This yep. is a great deal. Um, and then you're starting to come back and, and when the season starts and then you trade away Gardner Johnson and the front office says, God, we're even better than we thought we were. We don't even need this guy who's, you know, an impactful player and is going to be one of the best. Of course, there's probably some, you know, some drama going back and forth there. Maybe he wanted out. You know, we don't know the full story, but then you get him out on the field and you go, no, this isn't Marcus Williams out there playing free safety when he's been healthy. Uh, and this certainly isn't C.J. Gardner Johnson playing who's in his now role. leading who's now leading the league in interceptions. On an eight and By one football team that is the current number one seed or number two seed in the NFC. I mean, so that's kind of where I feel, you know, I get flashbacks to the old Jarris Bird signings where you said, oh, here's this world class safety coming in and we're going to give him all this money. And then you get out there and it's just a disaster. You know, it's and I get the front office has been really good for a long time and they've been trying to put together these all in runs over and over again. And I know how difficult that's been moving the money around. And I guess they kind of try to do it one more time this this time around, you know, with a with a mix and match quarterback situation. And you figured last year with the quarterback injuries, it was a fluke. But, yeah, like you said, they've just missed on those big signings. I mean, both of them, May and 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 Matthew have both struggled immensely and. You know, it, we don't have you, you mentioned the draft capital, the things that's what worries me the most is we'll kind of transition this conversation into where do we go from here? Right. Because I don't think the season's fully going anywhere. If you pull oh, up a miraculous never. run and you win six in a row. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. But so the thing then becomes, where do you go from here? Because you don't have any draft capital. You don't have a first round pick to go out and get an impact player at quarterback. You don't have, you know, the guys to to trade away to to, to receive some of that back. You know, I mean, I don't. The Saints didn't really make any headlines at the trade deadline, which kind of surprised me. And so, you know, I I wonder from a standpoint of trying to get this thing fixed, I just don't know where you go out and fix it. The Saints never have cap space with the way that they manage money. So I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. You know, it's crazy to think about, but your future this offseason depends on one man that is not even in your facility anymore. Sean Payton. Sean Payton is ready to go back into coaching. You can be okay. Because Sean goes wherever. You say, I want your first round pick that's coming up in two months. Blah, 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 whatever. And then you you figure it out. But if Sean's not ready to go back, you are done. You have no first. I want to say your second is a later second. You're, you're done. The only quarterback you can get at that point is, you know, no knock to Jaden Daniels. I, I love Jaden Daniels, but, like, you really want Jaden Daniels leading your NFL franchise? Levi Lewis in the Canadian League. Give him a call. Yeah, I mean, no no kidding. But 
so yeah, there there's just some decisions that, that the franchise has made over over the last couple of years that you know now now you're gonna have to pay for. You're gonna have to pay for you know what, what we call the luminomics, where you you push the cap space down because it's catching up to you. You're just you're gonna have to pay for that. You're gonna have to pay for you know making some bad trades and draining away your draft capital. The Saints are about to go through a, a five six year period where let's just be out. They're not gonna be good. And it's crazy because it's what the national media kind of told the Saints for the last five seven years. Said, "Oh, it's gonna catch up." And we as Saints fans, at least myself, I just kind of said, "No, we, we got our guy. Loomis knows how to figure it out. It's never gonna be an issue." Well, it finally did catch up to you, yeah. And you know, talking about this season being over and there's even maybe a small situation where you find a way to, I don't know, you lure Aaron Rodgers over, something crazy happens and you can kind of piece this thing back together. But yeah, I think I'm more on your side on this. I think it's going to be four or five years. And, you know, the funny thing is Saints fans, uh, a lot of them don't really remember the days that that it was like this pre, you know, the, oh, the, the true breeze, breeze era. I do. Uh, and yeah, and I was certainly young at the time, but was uh, about as diehard a five-year-old Saints fan as you can get. And I remember specific games where the family didn't want the game on TV and I was watching alone. Um, I fear we're headed back to that era. I yep. fear we're headed back to that era. And um, yeah, I, I can I can remember 05, you know, very well. And I remember years before that, obviously. But um, yeah, 05 sticks out like, like a sore thumb because, man, just every game kind of felt like, well, that's three hours. I'm never going to get back. Yet you still watched it every single Sunday. And so, yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think we're going back to that pre-John Payton, Drew Brees days for, for a couple of years. Now, do I think the Saints franchise is, you know, done? No, I, I don't. I, I think they return to, to where they were, and I think they do win another Super Bowl at some point. But right now... Like, like I said, you're just going to have to pay for some of the mistakes that you've made. And speaking of one of the mistakes, p- potentially, that you made, Dennis Allen, um, we've seen it for 10 games now. And, you know, look, I I don't like to be this, you know, aggressive on coaching changes because I do think that guys need time. I talk about it in the college college football world all the time. I mean, as a, you know, as a follower of UL, everybody wanted Decimo gone after three games. He's figured things out. That team looks like they're headed in the right direction. At the pro level, I think it's a little bit different. And then when you've been a head coach before, I think it's really different. Um, the fact that Dennis Allen was unsuccessful with the Raiders, um, very unsuccessful. Not like, oh, they had a playoff run and then, you know, it didn't work out a couple years later. Like, very unsuccessful. Was never a winning coach over there. And he came over and he was also, I think the branding and, and the way that, that that it's portrayed to you matters because they said he's going to just take the keys to the ship. Everything's still in place and we're going to go out and try to win the division this year. And he hasn't been close. The team looks, what really concerns me, and, and I think this has been talked about a lot, the team just looks uninterested at times. The leaders of this team don't seem motivated. You had that one game against the Raiders where everybody showed up, looked like they were having fun again, and then it disappeared the next week. So I, I think he's I don't think he's the guy and I don't think he's shown you enough. Um, the only thing is, if you're actually going to become a team that's willing to fire a coach after one season, I think perhaps there's kind of some fear behind doing that. But do you think the Saints go ahead and do that if things don't improve here in a, in a big way, which I don't think they will? I, th- I think you have to. And, you know, you look at it and 
if like you said, if this was his first time being a head coach and it was just a, you know, that's one thing. But I mean you look at his time in Oakland, guy was eight and twenty eight. I mean, that's just not good. Um, now he's sitting at eleven and thirty five as a head coach and you know, there's just the the biggest thing that sticks out to me, Dawson, is that there's there's been no improvement. You know, when when you go on a losing skid or or when you're not playing well, change something. You know, the the perfect thing would have been to say, you know, we're gonna start James Winston. This team needs a spark. Blah blah blah. I think that might have saved Dennis Allen his job. Instead, you're gonna start Andy Dalton for an eighth straight game when. You know, you sat there in a press conference the other day and said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, what are we doing? What are you doing? So I I think if things don't drastically improve to where you make this season look somewhat okay, I I think you have to fire him and move on because if you keep him, you're just going to put that re- rebuild longer and longer down the road. Um, because I just, some guys just aren't made to be head coaches in the NFL. And, and I really, I'm starting to believe that Dennis Allen is one of them. Yeah. Seems like a great coordinator just doesn't quite work out. And that's, you know, there's a lot of guys like that. Now, the one thing that I haven't seen really talked about, and I want to talk about it is the idea that Sean could return to this team. And, I know that the Chargers and the Cowboys or whoever it is, there's a lot of rumors for him to go other places. Um, But I almost wonder, I kind of talked about it the other day. I sat there and said, what if the Dennis Allen hire was made with the idea that Sean might want to come back at some point? And so that's kind of where I am with, you know, if Sean Payton wanted to come back, I'd take him in a heartbeat. And I understand the, uh, the appeal of getting a first round pick or a second round or a package for him. But in my opinion, if Sean, which I guess he hasn't given any indication, but if he gives any indication that he'd be willing to take over this team, I'd I'd welcome him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, you know, it it would kind of feel like, you know, going back to the ex after she didn't find anybody else out there. But I I see it, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I I would take him back if he wanted to come back, it because that's just you know the 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 guy won for you and the guy turned this franchise into a contender, and the the history there just I, I think it's I think it's too much to ignore, but personally I I think Sean's going to the Chargers. When you look at it, man, you look at their roster, every position they have pieces. You got a young franchise quarterback. You got a fantastic running back you got good receivers you got a good offensive line defensively you're you've got talent at every level they're just a coach away so i think if they can lure sean payton in and then the other thing for the saints is that the chargers have assets that they'd be willing to part with so i i think i, I think sean's coaching in la next summer but if there's a if there would be a possibility that he'd want to come back to the Saints, absolutely I'd take him. And we will see. We will see how that all plays out. But for now, there's still another game on Sunday, unfortunately. The Saints take on the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. 
Um, it is the Rams' first return since the no-call. Unfortunately, this game doesn't have nearly the buzz it should have around it because the Saints are terrible, and quite honestly, the Rams are kind of terrible too. Um, but regardless, the Saints will play the Rams this weekend, and Matt Stafford will return, it looks like. He is a, was a full participant in practice yesterday. Everyone comes back when they play the Saints, so that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but that team has been really, really bad. Um, kind of a similar scenario to the Saints. They just underachieved. Um, you talk about the Super Bowl hangover, and that's usually, I, I feel like, more of a thing for the losing team of the Super Bowl um, than the winning team, although I guess it can have an, an effect on both. Uh, but this Rams team, they they have not looked good, and on paper, this is still yet another very winnable game for the Saints. Uh, but my question for you, Matt, is do the Rams get it figured out against the Saints like the Steelers did and like it seems like a lot of teams have done this year? Everyone does. Yeah, yeah. Of, of course they of course they do. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford is going to come out there and say, Coop, no Cooper Cup, no problem. He's going to throw like five touchdowns to three different receivers and, you know, they're 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 going to torch us. But no, in, in all seriousness. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they do figure it out. I mean, this is this is still the team that that won won the Super Bowl nine months ago. Um, I, I think they're just going through the the hard times that every Super Bowl champ goes through. I mean, you look at you look at the Saints the year after they they barely made the playoffs, and then in comes Marshawn Lynch. Thank you very much. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is still a team that that could fight for the playoffs. The problem for them is that they're in a very good division. You've got the you've got the Cardinals, who are are kind of in a similar position as the Rams, struggling a little bit right now, um, dealing with some injuries. You've got the Niners, who just got everybody back and look great. They're gonna be scary. Um, scary. and then you and then you got the Seahawks, who everybody thought, oh God, they're gonna be bad, and they're not. Who the hell is Geno Smith? That guy has been impressive. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Rams can put it together against the Saints because who doesn't? And uh, it's going to be up to the Saints to to put up a fight in this game. But on paper, like you said, I, I do think that it's a winnable game for the Saints. The other really disappointing thing for me is I kind of look at this season as a whole again here, and we've, we've done enough ranting, I guess, but I'll do a little bit more, is that when you came into the season and I felt like the Saints were a pretty good team, I think most people did. I, I had them above 500, you know, kind of competing for the playoffs. Um, the the big three in the NFC that I was concerned about would be the Bucks, the Rams, and the Packers. And all three of those teams are not very great, you know, and, and maybe some of them figure it out. Green Bay lost another game last night, though, so we, we think maybe, maybe they haven't figured things out. The door was open for you to go out and be a top-tier contender uh, Minnesota and Philadelphia went ahead and took that opportunity and the saints absolutely didn't. So that's just, you know, yep. uh, just a frustrating aspect of the season as a whole. Um, so let's go ahead and move to my, to the matchups of the week here. Cause I don't think we have to talk a whole lot about the, the future, uh, at least the current future of this saints team, my matchup of the week. And it's a question I have posed is how in the world does this offensive line block Aaron Donald? Um, so that's my matchup It's Aaron Donald against who knows on the saints O line, Injury report. Um, I believe every lineman except Cesar Ruiz was listed yeah. on the injury report this week. That is correct. So um, who knows who's going to be out there for the Saints? And regardless of who it is, even if it was your starting five, it's Aaron Donald. He's one of the best players in the world. So I have no clue how you're going to block him on Sunday and how really how you're going to make anything happen offensively with the group that's been out there the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, and and you know, but looking at the injury report, good thing guys like Josh Andrews, they're out with an illness. You know, it's just that that fall yep. crap Getting that's cold. going around. Um, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I mean, I have it right now. Um, but no, Aaron Donald is, is a guy. He he's scary. So no matter who you put out there, I mean, Aaron Donald's gonna win. Um, so I think it's just a uh, a double team Aaron Donald. Try to slow him down, and hope we get the ball out of our hands fast enough to where the other guys don't get to you. Yeah, is yeah. basically going to be the game plan, and uh, just just hope that you can that you can make a play somewhere. But you know, speaking of of making a play, my matchup of the week is is Chris Olave against Jalen Ramsey, because uh, Chris Olave is going to be number one wide receiver. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so they're going to put their number one corner on you. So I'm interested to see how the rookie matches up with the seasoned vet who's who's been around the block, who's been one of the top corners in the league. And, uh, you know, can Olave step up to the pressure once again like he has in in recent games? And it's a good test. And I'll also throw out there, if Ramsey does neutralize Olave, which is a very real possibility given his caliber, do we see some of these other guys, Rashid Shahid, Kevin White? Even? I hope so any of them step up and play a big role um, because I think that's kind of been, and, and look, you know, if this was the receiving core, you, you got Jarvis Landry back last week and that was a nice thing to see. Um, this isn't the core that it was on paper to start the season without Michael Thomas, but some of the young guys have shown flashes. I want to see a little bit more of a consistent role from some of those guys. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I call Rashid Shahid the, the one touch wonder because you look the last, he touches the ball one time. And it's a big play every time. And then he never touches the ball again. Get him the ball, man. Makes no sense. He's talented. And, I mean, I've talked about it. Look, Deontay Hardy came into the season with an opportunity to be that, you know, that guy. And, and Shahid's kind of tried to take that role. But for some reason, they don't want to continue to get the ball to him. So let's go ahead with score predictions. I'll go first. I got 31-17 Rams. And I have the uh, the caveat, when do the Pels play next? Because that may be what I start to focus my time on here coming up. Um, I think this team... I've tr- I've I've kind of bought in every week to keeping them alive. I picked them last week against Pittsburgh. I think it's over. Um, and I think losing to the Rams. I mean, it is over regardless. Losing to the Rams, getting to a three and eight would really kind of obviously not mathematically eliminate you, but get you starting to look at that uh, elimination number as far as the playoffs. Um, so I think that's what happens. I, I think we see an uninspired team, and I think the questions about Dennis Allen start to swirl even more after this one. See what I what I see happening is I see this game being close for two and a half quarters. I see it being a, a 21-21 ball game and the Saints just make some boneheaded plays down the back stretch and, and give the Rams some easy points. And you end up losing 34 to 21. Um and, and you know, I, I think like you said, the the wind is pretty much out of the sails for this team, but I think this loss really says all right, well, we're done. So yep. going forward, you'll really see an uninspired Saints team. It's what I fear. Um, but regardless, this was a pretty down-in-the-dumps episode of Dumb Zone, but I really want to thank Matt for coming on, filling information this week. Um, you've heard him on here before. You'll probably hear him on here again. Uh, thanks for doing this, Matt. Oh, man, Dawson, anytime, brother. You know that. Absolutely. All right, so that'll do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week. We will see what happens with the Saints team if they're able to figure things out, if not. Um, Otherwise, Mason will be back with us next week, and we'll do it all again. 
Uh, I want to thank you for listening to the Dome Zone.